You are listening to episode 29. This episode is brought to you by my new course, How to Dominate LinkedIn with Your Personal Brand. Do you feel like when you're on the LinkedIn platform, you're not really sure how to actually navigate it? Does it feel clunky or confusing? And do you have all these connections, but you're not sure how to really leverage those connections and how to really show up virtually in presenting your personal brand? Well, that is what this course is about. Because since September, I've gone from 1,500 connections to about 8,000 connections on LinkedIn. Not only that, I've gotten clients through my content and people have actually reached out to me to speak for virtual speaking engagements. So if this is something that you would really like to capitalize on and take advantage of and learn about, then this course is definitely for you. And you can learn about it more in my show notes and I will have the link to the waitlist just for you. And now on with the show. Hey, everyone. I am so excited for this episode because you will never guess who I got to interview. I'm sure you can hear the excitement in my voice, but this guest is someone that I never expected that I would be able to reach. And it is because my next guest happens to be an Olympian. If anyone knows me personally, they know that I love the Olympics. I mean, since the age of five, I have never missed a chance to watch the Olympics on television, whether it's the Winter Olympics or the Summer Olympics. I always have teams and people to cheer for. And my favorite events to watch are track and field and gymnastics in the summer. And thanks to Michael Phelps, I got into watching the lane swimming as well. But today... I get to interview Olympian Sarah Wells. Sarah overcame a lot of challenges to actually become an Olympian. She went from not making any sports teams to actually debuting at the London Olympics in 2012. And despite overcoming an injury. In this episode, you are going to learn and thrive off of her enthusiasm and insane belief and energy because she really does believe that anything is possible if you put your mind to it. So get ready to be inspired and to learn how to rewire how you think moving forward in today's episode. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host, Fian O'Brien. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast. And today I have Sarah Wells with me. She's actually an Olympian, and I'm so excited to hear about her story and her journey and share that with you all today. So thank you, Sarah, for uh, being part of this show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. So 
do you mind telling us a bit about your background? How did you actually become an Olympian? What was your process and journey to get there? Yeah, so I honestly was a terrible athlete. I wasn't good at any sport in high school. Um, in many of my keynote presentations, I share about like getting cut from every single team and really wanting to be a dancer. Like I just want to be a dancer because all the cool girls from my high school are dancers and I have zero dancing skill. That's, it's, it's very apparent the second anyone sees me move my limbs. And uh, when I was told I wasn't good at that, I like tried it for every sports team, kept getting cut, kept getting cut. And then finally in the springtime, track and field came around and they didn't make cuts. <laughs> and I had a high school teacher see me and he was like, you should try track. And I guess he had seen like, in fact, I could like run to the ball. I would get there and I would do nothing with it. But he's like, but you could run. <laughs> Come for track. So I went out for the team and I ended up finding hurdles and falling in love with the sport and happened wow. to be kind of good. And, you know, within eight months of training with that high school teacher, who was also a varsity hurdles coach at University of Toronto, um, he trained me into a shape that I ended up winning the, the provincial championships and went on to win the wow. national championships later that year just within wow. my first year of track and field. And so crazy. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm good at this. And um, ended up continuing to develop. And um, eventually I knew I wanted to make the Olympic Games, but um, the year before I had an injury and I found out I had a stress fracture in my femur. So that's like a deterioration of your bone from the inside out. And your femur is your massive thigh bone. So the biggest bone in my body was breaking in half the year before the Olympics. And I was heartbroken and devastated because I felt like I was watching this dream slip away that I had now been, you know, pursuing for so long. Mm -hmm. And um, I sat out for what was supposed to be three months and ended up taking nine months to overcome. And I was like, you know, questioning my self-worth. Like all my friends would be like, oh, this is my friend Sarah. She's trying to make the Olympics. Isn't that cool? And, you know, what if, what if I wasn't that anymore? And by the time I come back from my injury, I had been sitting out for nine months and on my first day back to training, I got the word believe tattooed on my wrist. And I said, when I make the Olympic Games, I'm going to put the Olympic rings underneath here. Mm. And like everyone was like, wow, bold move. <laughs> um, but I just felt like if anyone could do this, it's me. And so I ended up like, you know, putting one foot in front of the other countless times, feeling like I want to give up, wanting to give up, but I didn't. And eight months later, I won Olympic trials, made it to the Olympic Games, and not just made it there, but then finished as an Olympic semifinalist and one of the youngest competitors in the field. And I was like, holy moly, like, believing in yourself works. <laughs> wow. It was crazy. <laughs> I yeah. have chills just hearing your story. That is so incredible. Yeah. Oh, oh, my gosh. So how did you actually develop then that kind of belief in yourself? Like you said, a lot of things were kind of working against you to actually achieve those goals. So how were you able to mentally get in the space where you felt like, okay, I'm going to try and approach this and, and see mm -hmm. what I can accomplish here. So certainly like one thing is kind of like acting as if so like taking action on the things that you can control because mm -hmm. I was devastated and absolutely like, I felt like my hands were tied in many areas but I would go to my physiotherapist and we would talk about the things that we could do. Like, you know, maybe if I strengthened my core or like made my muscles more elastic by like, you know, doing fascial stretching and all these things. Then when, by the time I was able to do training specific stuff, that I would have this foundation that would allow me to like springboard up to where I used to be much quicker. And so I think recognizing that like you can take steps towards without, you know, potentially doing the things that you used to be able to do uh, but you can find alternative ways to develop and 
and maybe act as if like if I was continuing to just pretend like, oh, I'm still trying to make the game so I can do all these other important mm. things. Yeah. Um, and just physically taking action on the things that you can control. And of course, that's going to come from from requiring you to like do a flexible process. Like what's in my control, what's not in my control, and then trying to let go of the things that are outside of the control. The other thing is like, I would always feel better when I was like moving, like being at physio, actually moving my body allowed me to feel like I wasn't deteriorating. And like, you know, that's physiologically true um, that you change the biochemistry of your, of your blood, of your brain, of your body when you are physically moving. And so that action piece, you know, comes from taking steps you can control, but also like physically moving your body when you can. That's just, it's like an epic mood booster and confidence builder and like motivation creator. Um, so that, so beyond the action piece, I also think it came from a ton of reflection for like I used to write in this workout log and say like, what were the things I did? How did I sleep? How much better did I feel than yesterday? If I did these things, oh, maybe I should repeat that tomorrow. And then because I saw that this did that I would be able to like reflect on like, okay, well I've come from here to there in the last two weeks. So like think of how far I can come in two weeks, four weeks. And I think we hear like journaling is important quite frequently these days. Um, but I really find it effective because it allows you to reinforce the story that you can tell yourself that will continue to motivate you and continue to move forward because we can convince ourselves of the worst case scenario. If we don't have like proof, sometimes our brains are really good at creating a story that is completely untrue. Mm-hmm. And so having that reflection and journaling to me was the, was the second piece beyond like, so action being the first one and this like reflection and journaling um, was a big part of that one because it allowed me to create the mantra and the story I needed to create to continue to get back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last and final piece, honestly, is a choice. You have a choice to decide the mindset you're going to adopt when facing your next challenge, hmm. whether, you know, that is a career ending injury in a sport, or that is a um, unfortunate like project going sour at the office, um, mm-hmm. a relationship ending, you know, mm-hmm. like there's things that, yeah, you can't control in that moment, but like there's a choice you can have that allows you to decide the mindset you're going to have when approaching that challenge. So those are kind of it, the action, the reflection and journaling and the, the choice. Those are, that's such a perfect answer to that question. Thank you for breaking it down that way for our audience because they can definitely take that with them. I have to agree with you on physical activity for the mood and uh, I enjoy journaling as well. So I, I think that's amazing. And I guess kind of even off of that, I know you said you talked a lot to your physiotherapist is there a sports psychologist for you guys or is that part of your thing too with mentorship or coaching um is that part of your process as well yeah i did work with a sports psychologist as well um his name's peter jensen and he's um, an incredible human being he's worked with our men's and women's hockey teams as well as our basketball team that have went on to win olympic medals and yeah he's, he's very talented and been in the game a long time so he's seen athletes go down these spirals and has a ton of techniques and he has, he has a book um called cutting edge or something or something edge peter jensen if you google it you'll find it um and see he speaks to some of those techniques that he would have used on myself and other olympians um and and he was our, honestly a big push in, in my decision to journal as much as i did uh, to create the story that i knew i needed to tell myself and so i worked with that sports psychologist i worked with the physiotherapist who was helping me move my body in the ways that i could yeah uh, and then i think it's so important to surround yourself with people who believe in you because mm-hmm. If you, you're already giving that voice, that voice of self-doubt is loud in your own head already. So you really don't need anyone else telling you why it's not possible. 
mm-hmm. and it can be challenging to cut those people out of your life you know especially if like they're family and like you can't you can't get rid of those people <laughs> uh, but it's important to be brave enough to stand up for yourself and just say like hey I know maybe you're saying that to look out for me but right now that's, that's really not what I need to hear like and if, if it's hard for you to you know I'm not telling you to lie to me or whatever but I just need you to like say nothing or uh, like I'm good I, I this, and I needed to do that for the people that that I really didn't feel were there to support me and I was so lucky to have a partner at the time who was like part of the reason I made the Olympic Games and, and my coaches who like were like Sarah talent doesn't go away and they believed in me like so much and you know that was so important when I couldn't believe in myself that is so awesome and mm-hmm. I know you kind of talked about this already but what was kind of like the scariest thing or like the biggest obstacle you felt when you were like in the position where you're like, okay, I think I can actually go after this. Like I can go after the Olympics. Now I'm physically yeah. back. Everything's kind of back in place. And mm-hmm. was there any moment of <laughs> your hesitation going towards that? Yeah. So after making the Olympics in 2012, I continued to develop as an athlete. And in 2015, I won a medal at the Pan Am Games and only lost to the number one ranked girl in the world. And so I was like, okay, like I'm ready. I can do this. And in 2016, I was like, okay, well, I've been an Olympian and now I'm going to go to the Olympics and now I'm going to win a medal at the 2016 Olympics. And I had achieved this level of success that I was like, okay, I'm Sarah Wells, the Olympian. And I need to act like that. And I need to be inspiring. And I need to be influential. And I need to be that thing. Yeah. Two months before the 2016 Olympic trials, I did a workout and I ran super fast. And that night I went to bed being like, okay, the plan is working out perfectly. I'm in great shape. We're a few weeks out. Like I'm, everything's going to work out. And uh, the next morning I woke up and my hamstrings were super tight, which is perfectly mm-hmm. normal and happens every time that you work out really hard. But I was like, maybe I shouldn't work out today. But I was like, but if I don't work out today, I'm not doing everything I can. If I'm not doing everything I can, I won't make the Olympics. If I don't make the Olympics, I can't win a medal. And if I don't win a medal, I'm about to let everyone down. Mm-hmm. And so I work out anyways, and I end up ripping an inch tear in my hamstring. And so I'm devastated because I have everything to lose. Like I have the name already. People are expecting me to win. People are expecting me to be at the game. My whole family already had tickets to the Olympics. Like I was a like guarantee, like I'm using air quotations for the listeners who can't see me. Um, <laughs> you know, I was supposed to be guaranteed. And now I have a hole in my leg and I rush back. I try to do everything I could standing behind my blocks at the 2016 Olympic trials. And I just tried to like look down at, that belief tattoo that I had got back in 2012. And I was like, I believe in me. Like if anyone can do this, it's me. And top three make the Olympic games. And so I give everything to that race, like every ounce of my soul. I've never like, oh my God, I wanted it so badly. And I get to the finish line and I get fourth and I miss qualifying by half a second. And I'm devastated because how does Sarah Wells, the Olympian, not make the Olympics? And I think that's something we can all struggle with when, you know, it's easier to potentially blindly believe in yourself when you've never achieved that goal. I've never achieved a goal in that arena before, whatever that arena is, whether that's in a specific job, specific role, um, you know, maybe you've moved countries, you've moved whatever, like in a certain environment, you feel like, okay, like I have nothing to lose. I might as well go for it. But then once you've achieved a certain level of success, you can assume that's your new baseline. And that can be the scariest thing you have to face because you have everything to lose. Mm. And that's exactly what I felt like in 2016. And I needed to recognize that like success isn't linear and 
we're going to have down days. We're going to have off days. We're going to have weakness. We're going to have vulnerability and that's okay. And so I did everything I could to rush back. And, and I thought I had wasted four years of my life because I didn't get this goal four years later. And I realized that, you know what, I actually believed in myself more strongly after not making the Olympics in 2016 than I did back in 2012 when I actually did qualify. Because in 2016, I was willing to stand on the start line regardless of knowing the outcome. I was willing to get back up. I was willing to be afraid and do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And um, that showed me that you don't build self-belief through achievements. You build it through action. And um, after that experience is when I took a pause on sport. I took a year off. I couldn't go to the track. It was too hard. It was too painful. And I started my youth organization that I'm now doing full-time. And it's called the Believe Initiative. And we are touring all over North America doing events where we help students build self-belief through action. And I love what I'm getting to do now of like standing on stages, whether that's corporate audiences, whether that's in schools, whatever it is, and sharing this story. One of the most powerful lines in my keynotes that I I truly love because I, I just, I see its power. And I say hard work doesn't always lead to success. We know that. We've seen that. Many of us have worked so hard and we don't get it. And so hard work doesn't always lead to success, but being resilient and having an unwavering belief in yourself will always lead to another opportunity for success. Hmm. And that's so cool that I embodied, I got to live that and it sucked. It super sucked in the moment, you know, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity to find meaning in the obstacles I faced and now help others do the same in the obstacles hmm. that they're facing. Um, yeah. And so it's like come full circle. It's pretty wild. Wow, that's so cool uh, to hear your journey and how you even recovered from such a obviously like painful moment. And I personally am obsessed with watching the Olympics, but I Mm -hmm. always wonder how it feels like for the athletes because it is that top three, like it's always on that. And I always wonder psychologically, how do they get themselves to get back to that every day in spite of the odds that are against them. Mm-hmm. And so it's really um, inspiring to hear how you've gone around and, and kind of taken something that could have been totally detrimental to you and actually made it very positive and uplifting uh, to a community and to youth. That's amazing. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask too, how, how much have you changed as a person after becoming an Olympian and having all of this kind of experience all this training experience all the things that you've gone through uh what impact has it had on you personally I think the biggest impact is like humility like you learn that like nothing is a guarantee and you can pour your soul into this goal and like you can get injured in the final moments and it all goes away and it's like recognizing yeah the human experience and the humility and the fact that like you have to be doing it because you love it you have to be enjoying yourself along the way and like just absolutely moments that you're like this is terrible why do I do this like standing on the start line before every single race I'm like oh my god this is stupid I hate this I hate this so much and then you finish the race and you're like, I'm so glad I did that and you're like so happy and like you know so it doesn't go well and like you're like oh that sucked and like I'm mad because I wanted to be better but like that lights a fire now you get to like go back to training and like you have a little more grit you have a little more inspiration a little more motivation and like you know, you love hate the whole experience. And I think yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's the coolest part. And that's what's changed me kind of in everything I do is like, you recognize that like, yeah, there's elements about every process, every job, every like pursuit, every 
relationship again, like, you know, like there's love hate in every relationship. I love, like my boyfriend and I will say like, I love you, but I don't like you right now. You know, (laughs) there's, you still have this undying love for that thing or that person, job, pursuit, but there's things you just don't like about it in certain moments. And that's totally fine. And you just have to be okay with that process. And I think Mm -hmm. sport has really taught me that. Mm -hmm. No, it's true. I think anything worth pursuing uh, even if it's your passion, there's going to be days where you're not crazy about it or, or things or aspects of it that you're like, I'm not so into this, but it doesn't mean you don't find it fulfilling somehow. Totally. So I think that's a really great um, answer. And I also wanted to ask, what are kind of the initiatives that you've built around your brand? Because of course you're an Olympian. Um, mm-hmm. here. I don't know if that's something you're still doing for 2020. And uh you said you started this youth organization. So what are all the other projects that you've kind of developed out of this role uh, that you've had? Yeah. So um, I just retired like three oh. weeks ago. So oh, okay. go I'm not pursuing the 2020 Olympics and um, I'm like totally okay with that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I'm having such a blast with everything I'm doing uh, with my speaking career and with the Believe Initiative. And so the things I'm really focused on right now are getting on more stages, sharing that story, helping teams, helping corporations find that, like, how do you build resilience and self-belief? What are the things that we can be doing um, to create really like high-performing teams? And um, additionally, what I can do with the Believe Initiative, Mm -hmm. really wanting to grow that and it'd be in more schools across North America and have more people building self-belief through action. And so if people want to find out more, they can go to believeinitiative.com and uh, see the kind of projects that are coming out of these from the students, the opportunities that there are there for, if anyone like has an event, I'd love to speak at it, trying to do more of that. Now that I'm retired, it's poor. I got all these extra hours, so. Awesome, awesome. (laughs) Very cool. And what do you value the most from your journey as being an entrepreneur and the initiative you have now? What do you value the most about getting to do those things? The thing I value the most is the people, the people I get to meet, uh, the stories that I get that I'm so fortunate to hear and, and have shared with me. I think it's it's the best part. It's like, as I was saying, if, if, if like the biggest thing is about like, you know, what I learned through sport is that like you have to enjoy the experience. People, the things that make the experience are the people because they fulfill you. They bring you back up when you're feeling down. Like they teach you so much. There's just so much to learn half the like 13 year olds I engage with, like have something to teach me, you know? And it's such a value exchange in every Uh way, even though I'm sitting on stage and like, I've been brought into a allegedly, you know, help them be motivated and be more inspired. But like every time I go into a corporation and someone shares something like what's happening in their like, you know, career, or I get a student who tells me the obstacle that they're facing, like the people I get to work with, like the team I have around me, you know, they, they just make everything better so yeah biggest value is the people definitely uh yeah and i and i do have um one more question too yeah. um what is your advice for someone trying to make the olympics and i guess what is your advice to someone who maybe never got there um but is still like really passionate about either their sport or just training uh what would your advice be to them of trying to find like value purpose in their life in those situations? Mm-hmm. I think so for someone who is trying to pursue the Olympics, I think 
the biggest piece of advice I have is like literally believe in yourself. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you have to like, it's not going to happen. Like if you let that voice of self doubt win, you let that fear take over, you let like someone in who's not going to help support you and get you there. Like you have to, like that is so essential to achieving the goal. And like, we hear it all the time and we think it's fluffy and we think it's where people have their head in the clouds, but like I saw it work and I saw mm-hmm. it work quickly. And so I know how important it is. I know the power it has. And I think that that person just has to find everything that they can do to like help build that self-belief in themselves. And that can come through the like taking action, the like creating the mantra, the journaling and making the choice of like, I'm going to choose to believe myself. Like that is what they can do. And then for someone who pursued it and didn't make it, I think the biggest piece of advice I have for them is like, get back up. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I said hard work's not always going to lead to success. You might have worked mm-hmm. your butt off and tried to make it there. And you absolutely, you know, deserved it in every sense of the word. Like, absolutely. Anyone who puts in that time, puts in that effort, pauses, you know, many other things to be able to do that. It, whatever your goal is, like, you did deserve mm-hmm. it. And you probably, you know, have many reasons on why you should have or could have or whatever. But focusing on that isn't getting you anywhere. And so hard work's not always going to lead to success but getting back up and having a belief in yourself will always lead to another opportunity for success. And so what's that next thing? Stand up, find something else. Like what else do you like to do? And maybe, maybe it is coaching. If you want to stay in the sport, maybe it's, you know, a passion that you have is like just wellness in general. And so like, okay, well, who can you use? Who can you help? Sorry. Using your experience. And is that getting back to another athlete? Is that creating a wellness program? Is that, you know, going into corporations, helping them build a wellness program? Is that like, you know, what is that thing? And, there's just there's so much opportunity for people to use their skills in such a diverse way. If it didn't happen, get back up. Awesome. <laughs> I have to <laughs> say, this has been such an amazing uh, interview experience for me personally. I'm just so motivated from uh, you just off of our conversation. Anyone out there is listening to this podcast and planning an event, you should definitely book her because I, I could just, I'm just so motivated off of our conversation today. So thank you. I just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And so much of those um, steps that you talked about is definitely things I will take and implement with me. Awesome. Um, so uh, if you don't mind uh, telling the audience, uh, where can we find more of you, Sarah, and more of what yes. you're up to? So social media, you can find me at Sarah Wells 400 MH. The MH is like meter hurdles. So Sarah with an H, S-A-R-A-H-W-E-L-L-S 400 MH. And that's Twitter, Instagram. And then believeinitiative.com is where they can find out more about the organization and from there, you can also see like my speaking page specifically. Awesome. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the Okiki podcast today. <laughs> of course. Thanks so much for having me.